Welcome, People First Leaders. This is your weekly special episode of the Leading People First podcast, where you get to listen in on the honest and most likely uncomfortable conversations from our latest Leaders of Equity, Allyship, and Diversity event. If you are frustrated, saddened, bewildered, disgusted, or feeling any other emotions due to the hate, violence, inequity, and injustice in our society, you are not alone. The Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity host weekly events to allow leaders to come together, discuss, learn, share, and activate to make a difference in the world. What you're about to listen to is a presentation by Prachi Thacker, who is talking about the importance of diversity and inclusion in the travel industry. If you want to learn more and be empowered to act, you'll have to join us next week. We meet every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Listen to the end to get more information on our upcoming special guest. Get ready to come together and lead, and let's dive on in. Welcome to LEAD. LEAD is Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity. Uh, For those of you who are new to the group, uh, LEAD intends to engage its participants in respectful, enlightening, and inspiring dialogue and interactions to advance positive culture transformation on an organizational community and global scale. We believe this inspires action and empowers all of us to make a positive difference on an individual level as well as societal. I am Yvonne Alston, one of the founding members of LEAD. We have Sarah Phelps in the house, also a founding member of LEAD. So just a couple of house rules to start. We know the drill for those of us who've been on here before, but anybody that's new, Let's have civility guiding all of our engagements. Please respect and embrace the differences of our opinions and perspectives. And we are here to create a safe space for vulnerability and transparent dialogue. And this requires empathy and absolute discretion. So just so we all know, in case you didn't notice, the session is being recorded for those who are unable to attend and wanna listen afterwards. It will be available on the Leading People First podcast if you'd like to revisit the conversation in the future. So tonight, uh, we're not gonna do breakout sessions. My lovely co-host, Sarah Phelps, is going to be managing the chat, hey, hey. So you can post your questions in there and we will address as many of them as possible. Oh, somebody just put Sajel, yes, all the beautiful diversity here, isn't it amazing? So good. Tonight, LEAD is proud to introduce to the virtual stage, Prachi Thacker. Prachi is a diversity strategist and trainer. She is uh, currently in a PhD program in diversity training in the tourism and hospitality sector in Varanasi, India. Uh, it is near the holy city of Anjins. I believe that if I butchered it, Prachi will correct me. Um, most well known for the Ganga River and the Holy River of India. And she is working with the World Women Tourism, which is a management consulting firm based out of Singapore. So without further ado, we introduce to you our lead team, Prachi Thacker. Round of applause. Yes, Prachi. Thank you so much. That was an amazing introduction. Sometimes, you know, it it takes over you. Sometimes when you hear your introduction, it's like, okay, is it me? Is it me they are talking about imposter syndrome, I'm telling you. So hello, and thank you very much for having me. And I am here to, uh, you know, 
talk about one thing which we all are desperately trying to do travel and the diversity within the travel industry so uh, i'm here to talk about you know diversity equity and inclusion in tourism so let's talk about the reasons why this is you know important to talk about and uh, okay yes price so before we get into the stats and before we get all talking about how the contrast is and you know um, where the gap lies and the questions let me tell you a story which i just told you know sir and chris and ivan that uh, once on my travel i was walk- waiting for my cab and uh, you know i got tattoos all around in my hand and my knee and i was waiting for my cab it was around 6:30 in the morning, uh, you know evening and uh, the city i was in 8 8 pm 8:30 pm is like kind of public deadline you don't really walk after you know walk out after that so i was waiting for my cab and uh, obviously since it's dinner i'm i'm solo traveling so i was like you know all um, dressed up for myself and i was standing there and the receptionist made a remark that you won't be coming back tonight will you and it took me a second to you know get the context why like won't i be coming back tonight and uh, i was like no why won't i come back tonight and he says to me that it's your time of the day what he meant was that since i've got the piercings and the tattoos he presumed very comfortably that i am a prostitute i am a sex worker and i was in a bag i was like oh good lord i very politely said no it's not my time of the day i'm just going to get out dinner and come back but you know you see the you know uh, narrative i gave explanation to a person whom i don't know and who doesn't need to ask for explanation at the first place and this is not just my story this happens to a ton of women traveling alone with family with girls without girls happens to everyone so that was just the you know teaser so let's get into stats of travel and tourism industry where the diversity comes in so 2019 report of world tourism organization uh, talks and tells that 56% of employed you know workforce in tourism and hospitality sector are women and according to one of the research papers because since i'm in you know i am a phd candidate so i have a ton of research papers coming in which i won't be citing here but if you want to uh, you know have access to those research papers do get in touch with me and i have all the papers boring papers you can read so person of color and people of color make up the majority of you workforce if i'm not talking about india and asia uh, at large even in europe person of color and uh, you know people of color and people with non european background make for the majority of workforce in the hospitality and tourism industry on a uh, aligned note solo female travelers are one of the emerging you know uh, contributors of travel and tourism industry and in 2000 in the you know sector of 2018 to 2020 they contributed around 30% of the total income because um, it started from somewhere around 1960s and it has been continuously on you know the upward trend solo female traveling 
And then non-binary people are also a significant target for the tourism industry. Although this is very niche, uh, if I'm talking about the statistics available on this uh, you know, background. Right now, if I talk about the, in, uh, what you say, um, companies which engage with non-binary people and their travel, you know, gay tourism, and we are talking about people of targeted market, it is very niche and the stats are really, really scarce. Now let's come to the contrast. We are employed in majority, people of color are employed in majority, but less than 10% of us, you know, women and people of color are in the decision-making roles. You will never see them sitting in boardroom. And then, I, as I told you, representation of specially abled and the people from, you know, sexually diverse background is scarce. So when we form the majority, we are saying on paper that we are then why don't we, if we are a full house, who is making the decisions for us? The problem comes that we have become the poster of the tourism industry. You know, even, even if, I, I don't know how it sounds, but in India, you see a travel poster, it'll always be a woman like flowing skirts and uh, you know, showing umbrellas. It's always women. You walk in a hotel, you will have majority of hotels have, you know, uh, female receptionists. You have majority of hotels, you walk into spas and you have majority of women serving you. Are we just in the front line? Are we just in the posters? Even if we are in the posters, who is designing them? Who is, who is at the background? So this is where the question comes in. Where is the gap? And who is doing the, you know, why are we becoming puppets? And whose puppets are we? Who are we representing? So now we will be like, who is this discussion relevant for? So I just, you know, I, I was trying to make a list that who is this discussion relevant for if you are in travel industry and this and that and that. But then I decided, no, if you travel, this discussion is for you. If you travel as a business person, if you travel as a person, if you have a family, you travel with them. If you're a solo female traveler, you travel for leisure, work. You travel, this discussion is for you. And now, the where, how do we make this relevant? And since I told you I'm a researcher and I have a ton of boring papers, I have given, you know, very uh, recent research papers in the slide. So... These two research papers talks about, you know, one of the uh, two things interesting to me is the tattoos uh, and perception of employability. So now there are three questions which are very, very important. How are we deciding the workforce coming in? As you can see, one of the research papers, which is kind of glimpse here, that is a perception of suitability of employ uh, employability and its suitability. So this research paper talks about how the having a visible tattoo can determine whether you will get hired in tourism industry or not. And imagine I told you that I was made a sex worker just because I had a visible tattoo. If this is the perception about guests, and they are not hiring people with tattoos. They're not hiring people, even in India, you know, uh, which is kind of funny because in India, tattoos and piercings have been the part of culture since eternity. You talk about any religion, 
they have some element of piercing and some element of tattoo in their history. If I talk about my religion, I am a Hindu Brahmin, which is like a upper caste thing in India. You know, the majority, if you can say, because in India, we don't have a problem with racism, but we have an ingrained problem of caste and religion diversity. When they intersect, you are from upper caste and religion, majority religion, the equation is different than when you are from lower caste and different religion, you know, non-dominant religion. So now the question is, if I'm not getting hired with my tattoos, my piercings, it is very obvious that I will be discriminatory towards the guest, right? If someone, if, you know, a whole band of people are looking same, making same decisions, but then the guests who are coming are different. And then the second research paper is a study which was done in Philippines about tourists with disabilities. Now, as I mentioned previously, that people with special abilities and people from sexual diverse backgrounds, they are really, really a minority even now. It's 2021 we are talking about. And if we talk about the visibility of people in the, uh, you know, frontline force. Uh, okay, before I go in and talk all serious, I'll tell you another very short story which happened yesterday evening. So um, I was out with my friend and I went to bulk at a, you know, convenience store. The person who gave us milk was from a non-binary background. And because, you know, um, he had rings on and uh, flory shirts. Why I'm saying flory shirts? Because in India, it is kind of um, stereotypical for you to dress up like that. But he had his face covered. Why? Because he is very well aware that if he shows his face, people will be reluctant to buy from him. Can you believe it's 2021? And we are still talking about a tourist place as Varanasi. We have people coming in from world every single day to interact with our culture. So now, where do we need the representation? We need the representation in the investment. We need to hire people with diversity because we don't have especially able people at reception. We don't see them in travel posters. We don't have marketeers making campaigns for people with especially, you know, special abilities. We don't have, uh, recently I was attending a talk at ITB Berlin and uh, it came to my information that, you know, there are only two companies, diversity uh, travel companies, which target the market of gay tourism. Only two companies in the main playing field. How scarce is that? We have thousands of travel companies, every country, and only two of them are in the main discussion. Isn't it disappointing? A vast majority of us are not heard. Vast majority of us are not taken care of. Vast majority of us can't express what they want. And now the visibility I was talking about. We are not hiring people with diversity. Travel industry is so monotonous, so monotonous, you come to India at 80% of hotels. I will be, uh, you know, um, um, not a spokesperson for India because obviously I haven't traveled to every state, but I have traveled 22 out of 29 states in India. 
and at every place it is just same faces you see interacting there will be men there will be women and they will be also robotic none of them bring their you know uh, even was talking about bringing our whole self at work there is no visibility of diversity you are just robots placed there to welcome guests but no you're not welcoming them you're just letting them in welcoming means accepting their diversity but what are you doing you're just giving them keys of the room and then judging them for their tattoos it's sad to see that you know uh, unless you're going in uh, a hotel with you know standardized rates people can actually change the rates of the room depending on how you appear as it's disturbing as hell and you know a, a weird kind of discrimination i'll tell you in travel industry have you heard about a discrimination which is called local discrimination this is a term which is specific to travel industry when locals are discriminated for giving service to people who don't look local for an example i was sitting at a cafe in varanasi 3 years ago and uh, i went there at like 7 a that is kind of a famous shop for tea which is uh, the famous beverage of india so i was sitting there for tea and i was like okay he'll make tea and he'll he'll call my name or you know he'll uh, tell me that okay excuse me your tea is ready and then two white women walk in they sit down beside me and the person takes my order and then their order and the person serves their order first and i'm like okay what what just happened what just happened i came here an hour before that lady why was i discriminated because i appeared indian even i was a tourist i was paying for the same service but i was discriminated against people who didn't look indian this is called local discrimination when if you don't appear local you know you don't fit in the majority narrative you are discriminated against people who you know look local obviously i have brown skin i have normal black hair and they didn't have it doesn't really matter if they are from you know in india we have you know northeastern people who have uh, you know hilly features we just call them hilly features because all across the world if there are people from elevated regions they have like a uh, very similar trait of features and you must have heard about discrimination against them when they are called chinkies or they are called chinese or they are called momos have you heard about them if you have heard i'll i'll just check check the chat right now yes okay uh, i will bring uh, come back to the chat back so you know if even if they uh, you know the people come who don't look indian and you know we indians are so discriminatory against our own people who are from north east and this is a local discrimination which i mentioned that if you don't appear local you're discriminated against people who look local and now the research you know where where do we need the work as i told you that i am a diversity researcher it has been 3 3 and 1/2 years since i have been actively looking into boring documents of diversity and tourism so in my scanning of um around the documents beginning from 1932 if i am not wrong as to 
we are talking about complete documents of diversity, which discusses diversity training, diversity management, and discusses intersectionality. Can anyone guess how, how many papers and how, many, how much research it has been, which talks about the intersectionality and which is done on Asian or people of color? In any numbers, I'm, I'm looking at the chat right now. Any numbers you guess, any percentage which you think. Okay, 1%, 0%, 20 papers per year. Oh, good Lord. No, that's a huge number, Sarah. That's a huge number. <laughs> that is a huge number. One paper, very close. Three, uh, 3%. Uh, Sarah is hopeful. Yes, Sarah is very hopeful. Yes, the numbers lie around six. In 200 years of research, you know, uh, not 200, 100 years, let's take 100 years of research, only around six percentage of papers talk about intersectionality. And do you know that if I talk about the research done on diversity training and diversity management in the tourism industry, apart from all the other diversities we have talked about, there are only 12 papers in the history which has talked about diversity management specifically in travel and tourism industry. Only 12 papers I'm talking about. And I'm telling you because, uh, as I told you, that this discussion started in 1932. I literally remember the title of paper. It was by Gamion Sneed in 1932. Yes, 12 papers. It's so terrible. And, you know, even in that 12 papers, none of them talk about intersectionality. None of them are addressed towards people with sexual diversity you know, sexual orientation. And none of them specifically talk about women leisure travels because, you know, women's behavior on a leisure travel is different from women's behavior on a work travel. None of them talk about women on leisure. And imagine we are in 2021. The visibility, the investment research, we need to work super, super, super hard. So what can we do to amp up this? What can we do to bring in, can we do to increase the research and what can we do to increase the visibility? The first things first in my area is diversity training. Diversity training has been said to be the most effective diversity management technique to increase inclusion. I am not using diversity, you know, you all know, having diversity does not mean that you have include them. You know, I, I used a sentence earlier that they are de there to welcome the guests, but what they are doing is just they are letting them in. They are not welcoming them. You are not welcoming the diversity. You are not including them in the discussion. So what we need to do is we need to do a ton, a ton, a ton of diversity training. Now, whose diversity training am I talking about? Am I talking about diversity training of guests, of staff? Whose diversity training am I talking about? I am talking about you know, diversity training of workforce, the frontline workforce, and the managers. Why the frontline workforce? So that next time people don't assume that I'm a sex worker if they see my tattoo. That is why it is necessary. You know, solo travelers, it has been four 
years since I have been collecting narratives of solo female traveling and how their experiences have um, dictated their choices of travel. So I'll tell you my story, but from she was a professor from Spain and I met her in Agra and she was very kind to give a, a dinner uh, interview. So I was talking with her and I asked her to share her favorite and the worst memory of travel. Why I ask about memories on my interviews is because, you know, our experiences determine what choices we make in future. Her favorite memory was from India, which made me very happy that, okay, yes, um, after listening a ton of things which are not so good, it makes you really happy that someone's memory is from your country. But you know what her worst memory was? She went on solo hiking in Sri Lanka and her hiking guide raped her at an altitude of around 2000 years. It was super, super cold. And that was like a one man trail. And then she told me, she obviously, you know, uh, she was crying, she was in tears. And she told me that I am never going to suggest anyone to travel to Sri Lanka again. Now, we are not just talking about experiences which leave us traumatized. People talk about business, business, business and numbers, right? Let's talk into business terms. What does this person's word of mouth publicity does to your business? Doesn't it harm the destination image we have? Let's become inhuman for a second. If I had a bad travel experience and I'm going to tell, you know what, Varanasi is a crap place. You should never travel there. You get groped everywhere around and people keep catcalling you. What happens to the destination image of Varanasi? What happened to the destination of Sri Lanka? Don't you think this will result in, okay, I'm not talking about a huge number that, okay, people will stop traveling to Sri Lanka, but this narrative will take its course, right? And this is not just one person. So many women and non-binary women I'm talking about. I'm also talking about, you know, transgenders. I'm also talking about, you know, gay couples. I met a gay couple from Germany here in Varanasi. And now you must be thinking that, why is she always in Varanasi? I love this city and I keep traveling here time and again. So I met a gay couple here and I was like, I was intrigued. And I asked them as a gay couple, well, how is your experience in India? And one thing she told me, took me to a very stereotypical Indian place that people assume we are friends. And even if we try to tell them that we are a couple, they're like, okay, it's just a phase. And I'm like, oh, good Lord. In India, you know, the acceptance of same-sex marriage and same-sex relationships became uh, legal few years back. But in narratives, in contexts of, you know, the brains I'm talking about, the mindsets I'm talking about, we are still not ready. We are still that, okay, no, two people traveling alone and two people traveling together holding hands. It's, it's just a phase. They'll get over it. And imagine how it affects their travel experience. How this narrative is going to affect the destination image of Varanasi of my country. 
And this is where we need the training of frontline diversity workforce to not discriminate people on how they look, what they wear, what have, how many piercings they have, and how many tattoos they have, whether they have curly hair, they have afro, they have you know straight hair, they look, they have any features, they don't have any features, anything. We need diversity training in travel and tourism industries so that we can be prepared to welcome people in our institutions, welcome people in our hotels, in our hostels, as humans, not as women and men and you know special preferences. One lady kept telling me that um, in a hotel, the staff kept knocking her door throughout the night to make sure she was safe. Now, doesn't it look confused whether it was to make her safe or to make her super, super conscious of her losing sleep? This is how the travel industry is functioning. And I'm not talking about five years ago. I'm talking about 2020 when I was having Zoom interactions with people who have been traveling. We need to have reflective diversity training. People are able to reflect on what they have been doing and how those actions impact people. How that impression of me being a sex worker impacted me that has started to put concealers every time I went out in the evening. It disturbs. It takes away some part of you personally on an on emotional note when you talk about someone comments very poorly about your head, about how you look and how you appear to be. It's somewhere tears you apart some person. You know, Yvonne was sharing how she was very conscious on going into a boardroom because she was constantly thinking of people in the boardroom and how they are going to perceive her based on her hair, earrings, her dress, her lipstick, her eyebrow, everything. It just makes you someone you're not. And how can we talk about travel destinations and you know, branding and regenerative travel and you know, beginning of tour and travel industry when we are not ready to take a break, take a pause and reflect what we have till now? Have we been inclusive? Clearly not. Do we need to be? Hell yes. We need to sit in groups and discuss that, you know what? Your narrative matters. I was once giving a diversity training in Lucknow, which is also in India. And, uh, okay, let me check the chat one second. Uh, okay, 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 sure. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell the you know, Lucknow story later. We need to have role plays so that, you know, people can understand how the narrative change when you are a man, when you are a woman, when you are people, person of color, when you don't look from the majority and what happens. So what can we do? We can train people, we can train managers, we can train the workforce for welcoming people instead of just letting them in, giving them the keys. How can we do this? By training. You can have diversity trainers. And by the way, fun fact, do you know that India doesn't have diversity training in tourism and hospitality industry? They do not have any single diversity trainer. We just think that it is of the HR to do it. HR will do it. But they both are different things. We can have courses 
short in-house courses. We can hire people from, you know, DEI subjects to tell how to be more human instead of just being a robot and puppet of people. I don't know whom. You can have courses affiliated with universities across the world. There are so many countries which, so many countries with universities which offer courses for HR managers to be more inclusive and to make more staff inclusive. So that's it from me. And now we are going to move ahead the conversation. Thank you for the reminder, Juan. Yeah, no, no problem at all, Prati. Thank you for addressing Thank you. this important topic. Um, I think especially now as we start to open uh, back up travel, you know, and people start to get their vaccinations, this is something that we all have to be mindful of. You know, um, we can see across, you know, especially here in the U.S., some of the real inherent dangers that lie with uh, especially people of color. Um, and speaking of which, uh, I know that Sajel put something in the chat. I don't know, Sajel, if you'd like to expand upon that experience a little bit further, just to help uh, all of us understand what that experience is like for those of us that haven't traveled extensively to other countries or lived in other countries. Sure. Um, yeah, it, you know, and I've traveled to a lot of different countries too. And so, um, but my family, we decided to actually move back in when I was in uh, junior in high school. And I actually went to school out there for a whole year. And so um, it was super traumatic. I mean, I, I'm pretty tough. You know what I mean? I got a thick skin. I can stand up for myself, but it was these, these people were just gross. I mean, there was no, you didn't feel safe in a lot of places. I mean, we, we stayed at like, we tried to stay at the top like hotels just to have more security and safety there. But even just like, for example, I'll give you one time we went to a movie theater and it was uh, a couple of my friends were there and we were at a movie theater and literally like the minute we walked in, one of them, one of my friends went to go buy the tickets and we saw a circle of men just like forming around us, right? It was like scary to the point where we're like, okay, we're gonna sit, as soon as the movie starts, we're out. Like, we're not gonna sit through the movie. We wanna get out there while the movie is playing. But they were so rude. Like, even when I was with my father, you know, we'd be riding on a scooter together with my father and the cat calls and the, so I started, I pulled my hair back. I would like grease my hair back and I would cover, like I'd wear like Indian clothes covered from head to toe, like literally tried to hide my, the fact that I was from America, I completely just tried to blend in. But of course they can tell because the way that you look at them, the way their mannerisms are totally different, right? But it was really, really scary. I mean, to the point where like now I have a son and I, I want him to come back and see my culture. I want him to go back there and experience it, but I don't feel safe. I even just told him the other day, I'm like, you know, someday if we have like a really strong male person coming with us where we can feel protected, but just with me and him, there's no way I would ever go. And that's sad for me to be able to say that. And, and I'm, it's not just, I mean, India was really bad. I mean, I've traveled to like other places where, but it was never like that to that level of feeling that kind of, you know, and, and you know, part of it too is because I just feel like, I don't know if law enforcement would actually be there to do anything if, if something did happen, you know, um, or they just get, you know, there's a lot of corruption that goes on there. So it, it just didn't feel as safe. And so I bring that story up because when I'm hearing what you were saying, Prashi, it really like resonates with me because I didn't, I haven't looked at it through the lens that you presented it here today. You know, I've only seen it through that lens, but it just makes me see like there's such a huge market or like a huge space there 
for to do more work with diversity and inclusion in that space. I, I didn't, the numbers that you shared were just really eye-opening. So thank you so much for taking your time and doing this. I got a lot out of it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sayuri. And uh, yes, uh, it, it definitely, you know, it is uh, difficult here in, um, as uh, Sejal pointed out, it is actually a very corrupt system. And if you go, actually, if you go to, you know, law enforcement officers to tell that, you know, you were harassed in public or you were catcalled in public, the only question they're going to ask is what were you wearing? But unfortunately, wow. this is not only about India. You talk about Asian violence, you talk about, uh, you know, how Westerners are perceived in other Asian countries. You talk about Thailand, you talk about, you know, Vietnam, Myanmar, and all of those places. Victims are blamed for the consequences. Victims are asked that, okay, what, what were you doing at 8 p.m. in the night? You know that area is not safe. You should have taken care. Okay, really? Mm -hmm. What were you doing? Yeah, it reminds me of the same, you know, storyline and victimization of women when it comes to sexual violence, when it comes to rape and things like that, where, you know, for a long time, um, it was, you know, the questions were pointed to the woman, to the same type of, you know, questions. What were you wearing? Why were you there? Why weren't you accompanied? Um, how much did you drink? Uh, what did you say? You know, all of those things, putting the onus on women instead to be responsible for the actions of others. And I think, you know, what you're saying seems to be very much in, in line with that thinking. It's antiquated thinking, it's patriarchal in nature, um, and it's meant intentionally to subjugate women um, and, and, you know, quiet our voices and basically also, you know, commit violence against us and our bodies. Uh, without our permission and to get away with it, essentially. And so um, it's, it's really sad to see. So from what you've seen in the research that you've done, and I know we're coming up on time here, you know, what are your recommendations for women who are going to begin traveling again, perhaps for business or for leisure? You know, ideally, uh, yes, you go with a mate or so forth, but some people may be single and want to just go out and explore the world. So what safety tips do you have for them or, or recommendations? You know, before I give recommendations for uh, women and how uh, for them to be safe, I think it is time for us as a travel industry to work. We have done enough on warning women on how to be. We have done, we have always, you talk about, you see any, right now you take up any conferences which addresses this diversity in travel and they constantly keep, uh, yes, definitely. Tips are important, definitely. But it is now time that we address what is happening in the industry. We are beginning from scratch now. We need to take up new steps for the new travel industry we are talking about. It is not just about the physical safety. It is also about the social sustainability we are talking about. As yeah. the, you know, the travel begins again, we constantly keep talking about sustainable travel industry. Where is the social sustainability discussion? No one is talking about whether we are inclusive or not. No one is talking about where are the policies? Are there any policies of the first place? Who is writing these policies? Who is doing? Who are the people in the boardroom? There are questions. 
which are pertinent and which have not been asked till now. Now, to answer your question, uh, what one tip which I give to women traveling across the world in any country is that don't blend in, don't stand out. If you blend in, you will lose your travel experience because obviously there are enough things which you won't be able to experience if you completely blend in the local and you will be facing local discrimination, which I mentioned earlier. But then don't stand out either. You will have to abide by the cultural rules and cultural norms in the social circle. You can't come to India, wear skimpy clothes, and then expect to be in an ideal world where women, uh, you know, I'm not talking only about women, you know, men catcalling you. Even women will make comments. Ah, look at what she is wearing. Really? Really, girl? Really? <laughs> it's, it's problematic. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, so, yeah, she's like really girlfriend really um it is very disappointing yes i agree um i want to get to a question here from latanya thank you latanya for that she asked are there groups or organizations that advocate against discrimination in the travel industry there are groups uh which talk about a ton of things and include the discrimination in the travel industry. But there are no group which targets only the discrimination and DEI in the you know, travel industry. One such group is uh, you know, um, the Solo Female Travelers group. On the Facebook, they are really a, a club. There is a club called Solo Female Tra uh, Travelers Club. So they have a ton of activities going on in which they address one topic as discrimination in the travel industry. But there are no groups, no organizations I have heard of which talks only about the discrimination and the need for inclusion in the travel industry. Wow. So there we are. Wow. Okay. Latanya well, also shared an experience she had while traveling in Zimbabwe. I'm mistaken for being a woman from Sim who was trying to be American at the time I had permed hair. Latanya, can you just expound upon that a little bit more? A woman from Sim. Sorry. <laughs> that should have been Zim. <laughs> Zim? Z-I-M? At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay. I traveled to Zimbabwe, and um, at the time, I had um, natural hair. My hair is naturally long, but I cut it all off and went natural. So, um, And it also wasn't white. But <laughs> at the time, uh, as I went around, uh, I was mistaken for being Zimbabwean all the time because I was um, chocolate and I had permed hair, which is relaxed hair. And yeah. so women in the, yeah, in that country who wanted to be American and they would perm their hair to do it. So, um, and then of course, when I would speak, they would, they would realize that I was actually from America mm -hmm. um, for my accent. And so I got to learn a little bit more about the culture. And then we had a chance to talk with the women there and we found out that they would sit in some cases, and they would um, sometimes burn their hair just to be American. And that really got me to thinking about um, why do I relax my hair? And so um, I just want to kind of share that in terms of just that experience traveling abroad uh, and being um, mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we could have a whole nother conference and discussion uh, definitely on that, the whole dynamic of relaxed hair. I don't relax my hair anymore. Um, I haven't done it in years. So for those of you that don't know what that is, it is a, a process. <laughs> Look at Tanya. Tanya. Girl, <laughs> girl. Um, that is, that is um, with Latonya, that's just another topic. That is a whole itself. nother topic. That's a whole nother topic. 
just before we close out, I just want to get to one question that Celia had. Um, she posted in the chat, travel for trans and gender non-binary folks is a nightmare, especially with passport, body scan, and TSA. Wanted to see, Prachi, if you have any research in addressing these issues. Uh, I, I don't have resources for the, you know, uh, transgender and non-binary people traveling because, as I told you, our research community is also biased, doing majority of research on the mainstream travelers and leaving a lot of, you know, diaspora out of the decision. But yes, I will, I will dig up resources and I will, uh, you know, send them onto you link, uh, on your LinkedIn. So please uh, send me your LinkedIn and I'm saving the chat so that if I find resources, I'm directly going to send it to you. I can send you resources. I have uh, written an article about it um, because you know, I have um, first-hand experiences traveling as a okay. gender non I could send um, resources and articles and also from TSA. So just wanted to hear your perspective, but thank you for sharing. You know, you did a great job. Thank you so much, Celia. And thank you so much. Please do send me the resources as well. I would also like to look at them. All right. Well, we're just coming up on time. So I want to say thank you so much to number one for Prachi um, for sharing her research, for sharing her perspective on DEI and tourism. Um, I don't think any of us are surprised that, uh, you know, there's DEI work that needs to be done pretty much everywhere. Um, and so, but the area of tourism is, is clearly sorely lacking. And so if anyone is interested in learning more about uh, that realm and that space, feel free to reach out directly to Prachi on uh, LinkedIn. Prachi, if you wanna drop your LinkedIn in the chat there, that would be great. Um, so I just wanna make you aware, uh, next week we will be joined by Mel Caspin Bloom, Mel Caspin Bloom is a new friend of mine. Um, I'm very fortunate, very blessed. She wrote an amazing children's book on anti-racism. The book was actually included in this week's uh, 2021 Grammy bag. Um, it's getting a lot of attention. Um, it's, it's something that I read personally. Um, she sent me a copy. I was literally in tears. Um, at my island, reading it out loud to my husband because it was so impactful. Um, so I really encourage everyone who can come back next week. If you have children of your own between the ages of, I would say, uh, probably about six and 14, um, you've got nieces, nephews, grandchildren, whomever, um, doesn't matter. Um, she's going to actually be reading her book and we're gonna do some amazing Q&A with her as well. So um, come back and join us so we can talk about Changemaker Village. Um, and for those of you, you know where to find us. Hashtag join lead on LinkedIn. We're here every single Thursday. We're trying to give space and opportunity to various speakers to talk about all things relevant to moving our culture forward. So thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful evening. Stay safe out there. If you can, get your shots and then run around and hug everybody. All right, that's it. That's my admonishment. Have a wonderful evening. Love you all. Sending virtual hugs. Uh, and uh, have a great weekend and week ahead. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into this special episode on the Leading People First podcast. 
We hope you can join us next time live as we come together to learn, activate, and empower to make a difference in the world. Again, we meet every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. You can find the group and the next event information on LinkedIn. If you would like more information, feel free to reach out to me directly. All of the group and my own information is in the show notes. I really hope you can join us this next week as we have Mel Caspin Bloom reading from her brand new book, Changemakers Village, which again, as Yvonne shared, was included in the 2021 Grammy bag. We're so excited that you've joined us in this movement. Let's go out into the world and lead together and stay awesome.